Small business is big in West Texas, fueled by a special breed of entrepreneurs. They sow seeds of hard work and rely on each other to grow. They're all connected by a common thread that creates the character of our community, and they keep us moving forward. And no one brings small business together like First Bank and Trust. At First Bank and Trust, you get more than a bank. You get a network across this entire community. Take a step with the bank that knows how to make small business a bigger deal. Texas, history has its place on the other side of Texas. Justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll on. Hey there, thank you for tuning in and telling friends that you hang out here, right here on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West, Texas Leeson. As we roll along, a good show to roll along with. Got Dr. Ted Mitchell, Chancellor of Texas Tech University, in studio with us as we roll along here. And going to get into some Leeson spring break and... Um, you know, a few other things as we roll along. Uh, got Dr. Ted Mitchell in now. How are you, Dr. Ted Mitchell? Doing real well. Gra- glad to be here, Jay. I'm glad that you are here. Yeah, you're bringing me in right before the basketball game. Yeah, I'm going to try to get you out right <laughs> before the basketball game, too. Uh, tell me, does it bother you how much I'm infatuated by your hair? Just no, it honest. bothers Mo, my barber. It does. Yeah, exactly. Mo brings it Yeah, up. you know, but the thing is, I didn't know what my haircut was called till you interviewed him. So now I know it's flat top with fenders. Flat top with fenders. <laughs> Wrote that in the Avalanche Journal. Yeah. Uh, tell me this. If Texas Tech playing West Virginia, as we are interviewing here on 314-2019, Tech makes it to the Final Four, are you going to let Mo? Or another barber put a double T on the top of your head. <laughs> shave, and I yeah. mean a shave, a, shave a double T into my head. Well, I will tell you, T. if we get if we get to the final four, I'll let him put a double T somewhere on my head, shaved in. Somewhere, not on the top, maybe on the sides. Maybe on the sides, yeah. You just never know. I'll just have to wear a cap for a while when I'm in polite company. Does it bother you? Let me ask you, Ted Mitchell. Does it bother you that people will say A&M has all sorts of money? A&M has decided not to keep their basketball coach. Buzz Williams, a big name out there. How hands-on are you with athletics department? And does it bother you that A&M's got a coach candidate out there that could become Chris Beard at the top of the list well i will tell you this as far as my involvement i am a huge athletic fan uh but the we have a phenomenal athletic director in kirby hocutt and all you have to do is look at the the records of most of our programs to to know that and uh for for me to try to tell kirby what to do i always tell somebody it's kind of like somebody that has watched an episode of er trying to tell me how to treat chest pain 
you know, I, le- I leave that to the experts with him. I do know this, that uh, Chris has done a remarkable job, a remarkable job out here. I know that he has a wonderful relationship with the, the student-athletes. He also has a wonderful relationship with Kirby uh, and with Lawrence. And uh, th- I will tell you, that's a, that's a heck of a business to be in, being a coach, whether it's football, basketball, whatever. But NCAA uh, coaching is, is pretty nomadic. But at this point in time, I would be confident that working with Kirby, that Chris will be with us for a long time. He he would have to come to you and to Lawrence Skubanek, the president, to up his salary, right? He talks to Kirby, Lawrence. Kirby. Yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll he'll visit with Lawrence about it, and he'll make recommendations based on uh, based upon uh, what other folks are getting paid and what he thinks it might need. But you have to remember too that that a lot of what Chris does, Chris. Chris does it. He is he is enamored with the team that he has and and building young men. And I know we all talk about the money, the money with it. And obviously, money is an important thing. Uh, but not everything is is based around just the money. But we're trying to make sure. And when I say we, I mean Kirby, in in consultation with Lawrence, is trying to make sure that we keep our coaches um, fulfilled in what they're doing. Do you spend a lot of time though? as chancellor looking at all the programs that are opening and knowing that your coach your coach right now ted mitchell is the top candidate across the country does that keep you up at night no okay not at all i got a great ad i let him do his job and i'll do mine okay Ted Mitchell, right here is we usually I I send off a great monologue, but I'm going to let you play the monologue too. Uh, does it bother you? It doesn't bother you how infatuated I am with your hair. No, it doesn't bother me. Okay, yours is a little bit long. You could use a cut right now. Yours is a little bit long. <laughs> you could use a cut. This right is my now. winter cut. Let me ask you this though. I asked that question the second time to say, do you comb brush or do you comb brush? your hair i brush it just brush there's just a brush right because i was you for halloween but i had to go into my barber to make it look right (laughs) but he he did use a cut after you do it for a while it just kind of you wake up and shake your head and it does it some on its own not really i don't think it does (laughs) no I'm looking forward to the double T on the top of your head whenever we get into Sweet 16. No, you said Final Four. Final, okay. <laughs> That's good. That I remember. And people will say this to me, Ted Mitchell. Why do we have to have a vet school in Amarillo? I'm Forget the dynamics of Austin. Why does it have to be in Amarillo? Why can't it be in Lubbock? Talk to us a little bit about how important it is for you as chancellor to look at dynamic relationships in El Paso, in Abilene, in Amarillo, and Lubbock. So the way I look at this, if you look at West Texas in general, let me approach it like that, and and, and I've always, since the time I started here, have had to look at West Texas in the macrocosm because the Health Sciences Center is set up that way. So from Abilene to El Paso, from the Panhandle to the Permian Basin, when we talk about the Health Sciences Center, it's all of it together. It's like the Hydra. Uh, it, it, is, it is one entity that's just in several locations. If you look at where we are politically in the state of Texas, it's the same way. 
we have the state demographer just a few weeks ago came out with the new numbers. We have 13% of the population west of I-35. And so if you look at the, the representation we have, there are more representatives in the city of Houston than there are in all of West Texas. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to do is we have to work with the representatives we have, and then we have to make the decision when you talk specifically about something like the vet school about where the best place to, wet, to, pl- the best place to place it in West Texas would be. And so, for example, if you looked, and uh, Robert Duncan has said this over and over before, if you looked at where cotton research should be. Well, it should be in Lubbock. It shouldn't be in, in the Panhandle. It shouldn't be in Amarillo. And conversely, if you look at the beef industry, if you look at the dairy industry, uh, the feedlots are all in the Panhandle. They're all located within 50 miles of Amarillo. So that's where it makes sense uh, to place the, the, the vet school. If you look at the dental school with the population density that you have in El Paso, it makes sense to have a dental school in the middle of a place where you've got 750,000 people. So from the perspective of West Texas, one of the things that we have to do, I need to brag on all of our West Texas delegation, and I mean all of them, going all the way out to El Paso. They have worked tirelessly for this because we have to speak as one voice, one voice for West Texas for the things that we need. And uh, from uh, Frulo and Burroughs, Charles Perry, uh, Kel Seliger, John Smithy, Four Price, they've all worked together down in the Permian Basin. Uh, with Brooks Landgraf and with Tom Craddock and all the way out to El Paso. They've really been locking arm in arm on this thing. That is the way we have to approach this West Texas. Which thing? On the vet school? All of them. If we look at the needs for West Texas, we have to approach it collectively. So for the, the vet school in Amarillo... Uh, for the Mental Health Institute in Lubbock, where we have an academic health center housed, for even down in Angelo State, uh, what they call student enhancement. It's a small amount of money that we're asking for because they focus on first-generation college students that would not go anywhere else. Uh, and then, of course, the, the, the dental school out in El Paso. If you look collectively, all that together, the amount of money that we're asking for, total for our exceptional items as a system, it's a rounding error for the state's budget. Hmm. Rounding error in which way? 0.019%. Not a lot of money. Right. But then you go back to the argument that I've made before in Avalanche Journal, the Amarillo Globe, the Dallas Morning News. This is where these Republicans won. I think it's worth a rounding error. Oh, I absolutely believe that. And if you look at it from the perspective of these statewide Republicans. Sure, absolutely. You know, all the statewide races. It, it is still, obviously, a Republican stronghold all in the West Texas region. Uh, but you know, more important than that, and what, what I do and what the, what the elected officials do, it's really important to tell the West Texas story in Austin. Because a lot of this is out of sight, out of mind. It really what it is what it is. And you and I have talked about this before. I grew up in East Texas, and you just didn't think about West Texas. But West Texas is is the the matriarch of our entire abundance as a state. And you know, West Texas is like the you know the Gatorade that powers the athlete to win. Uh, West Texas is like the the wind and the sails of the ships to get them where they're going. It's like uh, the you know the the, the Steinway that 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 uh, brings life into the music uh, that we call the Texas economy. That's West Texas. That's what we're about. We may not have the 
the exciting night lights that the great cities of our state have. We may not have the the majesty of the piney woods of East Texas. We may not have the the rolling waves of the Gulf Coast, but we're like everybody's mom, and we sacrifice so that they can all do well. That's what we've done. My job right now is to help the folks in Austin understand that and ask them to consider this being Mother's Day because it's time to take care of mom. Mm. Here we go. On on air and on if you got thoughts as we roll along 806-745-5800 we'll take your text with dr ted mitchell as we roll along uh you got on a green striped shirt and some wranglers that what you wore to work today that's what i wear to work most days and the jacket no no jacket today no No, it's only 44 when i left the house nobody can tell you what to do huh well, you haven't met my wife, <laughs> but she. But, but Miss. No, Mitchell fortunately, told you she not she, to wear a jacket. She was out feeding the horses when I left. Okay, <laughs> there you go. And so, whoa, whoa, you don't want the chancellor's house set up, right? At Tech, you want a place where you can keep your horses. Well, you know, yeah. Because the chancellor's house is up for sale right now. It is, and and here's the thing. If you look at what we're trying to do as as a system, when I started in 2010, the state was having a tough, tough time with its economy. And during periods like that, it's really easy to go in and cut a budget uh, because there is no money for anybody anyway. It's tougher to do that when you have a lot of money. And right now, during the session, we have a lot of money. But what we're trying to do is make sure that within our own system, People understand we're being good stewards of everybody's money. And so we're going through and and, uh, we're analyzing things at the system level to see where things may be better served at a university level. Uh, But that also includes the trappings, and that includes the chancellor's mansion. And I know I've had pushback from some people about doing it, uh, but that money in my... Which people? Well, just friends of mine. Uh, But in my estimation, the money could be spent better for other things and so and we have beautiful venues on our campus to show off when we're having events we've got beautiful places on campus to take people if you're trying to show off what texas tech's all about we've got great places to do that right there on the campus we don't need uh, a separate mansion to do that uh regent change at texas tech we're look here's my plan we're going to carry you for the next 13 14 minutes or so okay let you get back Bob Huggins says his team is not dead at West Virginia. They're going to let you get out of here and uh, see if that team's dead or not. Uh, Coming up in the Big 12 tournament. A big regions change. The governor announcing that Ginger Carrick, Mark Griffin, Dusty Womble to replace Esperanza, Lancaster, and Francis at Texas Tech. When did you first learn? What are your initial thoughts on this regent change? First time that we've, that I can tell that you've had three straight regent change because regents are up every Every two two. years Mm -hmm. uh, in sets of three. Right. Here we've got three regents that are going to be completely replaced, one including the chairman. Right. Go ahead. Well, this has been, uh, this first time we've had three like that in a while. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, the governor did exactly what he said he was going to do. 
the governor said that he was going to focus on folks from Lubbock, and he did it. Uh, he said he was going to focus on women, and he did it, and minorities, and he did that. Uh, and I will tell you that that uh, for uh, for us in West Texas, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of the work that previous regents have done for us. Uh, I was mentioning to you off air that that you know that being a regent is a in many ways, it's a bit of a thankless job. They don't get paid for it. There's a lot of work that goes with it. And so it truly is a service to the system. And we are where we are today uh, because of previous regents that have been through our system. And it's really easy for me to look forward and to make big plans for things because we've had great regents coming before. Uh, looking to the future, when you've got fresh blood injected in, uh, to a system like this, what you get is you get new perspectives and you get uh, new visions, and I'm excited for that. So there would be people, I would think, even within your office, Chancellor, who are glad that I'm not going to say the words Regent Gate again. Um, we just did. Well, I did, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you about it directly. Uh, some would say that Rick Francis played a great role in the ousting of Bob Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say about Rick Francis's departure from the Board of Regents? Well, again, I and mean, I'd said this at the time everything was going on, I'm, I was not part of discussions that were going on amongst Regents, and so anything that I would say would be speculation about stuff. I will say this, that um, the we the presidents all loved working with all of our Regents, and we loved working with the Chancellor as well. Uh, what went on amongst them was their own business and for me to go back and try to dissect something retroactively i don't think serves much of a purpose for anything particularly when we've got so much on our plate moving forward Uh, i will tell you that um, all of our regents and all of our former chancellors have had huge parts to play in the success of where we are we've gone from being just this quiet regional university 30 or 40 years ago to being a major powerhouse, not just within our state, but within our nation. Tell me, as you see these scandals pop up, I mean, we've seen this with uh, scandals in the past couple of days of uh, people invoking, you know, their their status in order to get into institutions. What is What can you say, Ted Mitchell, to people who may be listening that gives them some sort of ease that kids aren't just getting in on scandal they aren't getting in on paybacks to texas tech university because tech has not been cited at all in all of this ut has and i don't want you to take it i'm not asking you to take a swipe at ut but there have been other universities that have what do you think about admissions and what can you do to make sure that these scandals don't go forward well, let me tell you the the approach that we've always taken at Tech, and this goes through the chancellors and to the regents as well. The way that the accrediting bodies uh, approach admissions to universities, and this includes the professional universities, um, and by that I mean the professional schools, law school, med school, pharmacy school, nursing school, things like that. Uh, they're very serious about the admissions committee being in charge of admissions. So at Tech, and this has gone on since the time I've started, if somebody came in, if we were to receive uh, uh, an applicant coming in that wanted to be in our medical school, and you had called in and said, hey, Ted, 
uh, I know this this kid from medical school and the like. Then what would what what would happen with that is I'll say, okay, well, Jay Leeson, somebody that we know, somebody that loves tech, vouches for this kid. It just becomes a part of their packet. That's all it is. I don't have conversations with the admissions committee about it. Uh, I don't. I, I never will call somebody and say, hey, you really got to get this kid in or this kid in. Um, it's just not a, it's not appropriate for anybody. And we do deal with that a lot on the Health Sciences Center side um, because of the competitive nature of the various schools. Mm-hmm. And so the, the calls start coming in. Uh, we will have uh, moms and dads calling in later saying, why did my child get in? They had a 4-0. Why couldn't they get into this program, et cetera, et cetera. But it's something on the Health Sciences Center side we've lived with for a long time. It It damages the entire process if you allow external folks to involve themselves in your decision making and so it's something that as we discuss this amongst ourselves with uh with the regents with the chancellor with the presidents we're all really clear about that um there is a process it's a good process and you have to let the process work how long will you be the president of health sciences center as long as i'm here i enjoy it and it connects you enjoy me. doing both jobs? I do. I it, mean, what do you sleep, like three it, and a half hours a night? <laughs> no, it's very energizing. It's, uh, it's, it's very energizing. I've got, there are great people on our team at the system administration. They're a great team on our, with our people at the Health Sciences Center. We've got really good folks. And over the years, we've developed teams of people that are, um, they are, they're smart. They, they take initiative and uh, for me, it's just a pleasure being part of their team. So let's go to vet school for just a moment. What we know is that the House has fully funded the ass from Texas Tech, the Texas House. We're still in session, be in session until about the end of May. 75 more days. Yeah. But who's counting? Uh, I think 76, and I'm counting. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, the House has fully funded your request. The Senate is short some thirteen, fourteen million dollars. Correct. And my understanding, and you tell me if I'm incorrect, the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board is not interested unless it's fully funded. So then what do you do, Ted Mitchell, about the difference between the funding in the baseline budgets in the House and the Senate? The Senate being some 4.7, the House being 17.7, somewhere in there. Well, a couple of things. Uh, With the coordinating board, they're looking at a lot of things, one of which is the funding source. Uh, But they're looking at can you deliver the academic program. They're looking at facilities. They're looking at a whole kind of a holistic approach. uh, When will they be looking at For listeners, when does that happen? It varies widely. But generally speaking, it takes months, not weeks, for them to go through that. So after session. They would probably, yeah, they would probably, well, no, no, they already have the, they've got the proposal. So they'll be doing their preliminary looks at it right now. But typically what they'll do is they'll take it, they send it to an outside person to review, somebody that's involved in this particular case in veterinary medicine and veterinary medical education. They'll do a review of it and then working in conjunction with them, then they come back and they'll make a recommendation. The staff members will then make a recommendation to the coordinating board, the the gubernatorial appointed board, uh, and then they will take a vote on it. And that process can take anywhere from a few months to up to about nine months to do that. Some of it depends on their own schedule. 
uh, when they get something posted, just like a, a regent schedule. So going from one to the next. So that process is underway. It's doing its thing. With the House and the Senate, uh, we were thrilled that in both base budgets, the vet school was, was put in with funding. And so the work that is then done is we have to make, from an educational standpoint, an academic standpoint, we've got to make our case uh, in educating folks in the Senate and in the House uh, about the need for the school. And then the, the elected officials themselves, uh, and on, in this case Senator Perry and Senator Seliger, will be working with their colleagues to make sure that once they get to conference that that's something that they'll protect, if you will, and, and try to work through. Yeah, but there we're just talking about decimals at the same point. I mean, $13 million, I don't think you or I want to throw down $13 million, but from a state level. Right. It is a rounding error. It is. It yeah. quite literally is a rounding error. Yeah. And so from that perspective, then. But what do you make of that in this? If it is a rounding error right now, mm-hmm. why wasn't it fully funded in the Senate? Well, this is, I mean, this has been something that if that has been a, a, a trying situation uh, for some folks. And uh, for us, what we do is, you know, I'm not going to try to import uh, motive to anybody or any group for anything. We just lay out what's been going on and lay out what the facts are. We do have uh, a lot of folks that have looked at the same information. They've come to the same conclusion we have. So you've got the cattle raisers. You've got the cattle feeders. You've got the Texas Farm Bureau. Uh, just a few weeks ago, the Texas Veterinary Medical Association. They've all come out in support oh, yeah. of the vet school. Oh. And so we just you just have to tell the story. And the story speaks for itself. A hundred years ago, my alma mater was the only medical school in Texas, UT, uh, the medical branch in Galveston. There was one med school, one nursing school, UT, one pharmacy school, UT, one vet school, A&M. You roll it forward a hundred years later, and we have 11 medical schools. We have 22 nursing schools. We have nine pharmacy schools, but we still have one vet school. And it's one of the best in the nation. In fact, it's one of the best in the world. Uh, but the state now has 29 million people, and we have an industry with an epicenter of it in West Texas and the Panhandle and all over rural areas of Texas that just can't get uh, service. You had any conversations one-on-one on John Sharp on the Sure, and, and, and let me you tell have. you. Oh, yeah. How many? Uh, well, no, no. I've, I've had individual conversations with Chancellor Sharp in general about life. And uh, and he's a good guy. I mean, he's he's just passionate about Texas A&M. And he said uh, that this was a hill that he's willing to die on. Well, he's you know, he has he has made it clear that uh, that that he feels that if the state will will give additional funding to Texas A&M, that they'll be able to solve all problems. And and he believes that in his heart. And uh, and I don't I don't doubt his uh, commitment to it. Uh, but you know the 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 coordinating board has been talking about this problem since 1971. Does it bother you how condescending he can be in making those comments? Oh, he, he's not been condescending to me. It always been very pleasant. No, I'm to not me. saying to you. I'm yeah. just saying in general. If I got if I got bothered by things that people said like that, I'd be bothered a lot. But, no, I just I mean I, I I will take him at his word that that he wants what he believes in his heart's best for A and M. Hmm. Uh, tell us about the rest of Texas Tech's initiatives, how you think they're unfolding, 
in the legislature some 76 days out? I think that, that things are going very well. We've had great conversations with uh, the lieutenant governor about things. We've had great conversations with senators and with House members, uh, not just from West Texas, but from all over the state. And I, I think, again, the the approach is just to say, guys, here's our story. This is what we have going on. What we did do. Uh, very specifically on the front end of this. Typically, you'll come into a session with a list of, of numerous what are called exceptional items, three or four or five different things that you want to use. We came in with one per university so that we could go to the House and to the Senate and say, guys, we've done the work for you. We have cut things back. And from that perspective, we're keeping it focused like a laser on what West Texas needs. Your predecessor is, this question comes in via text, but your predecessor is lobbying, but not as an active lobbyist. Is that a correct way of saying it? That well, yeah, he's not. He, what, what, he's just a true believer in the vet school. You better believe it. Uh, and Bob Duncan, he loves Texas Tech. He loves all the initiatives that we have, all four of them. And, uh, but not even getting paid. Have you offered to pay him? Of course. And he said no. No, he didn't want to get paid. Wow. And so he. How had, much. He, let me just ask a prodding yeah. question here for the common man. How much do you get paid to lobby for something like that? It depends. It, it varies widely depending on what like it is that you're doing. 60 grand? Or? Well, you'd, you'd have people typically get paid by the month during sessions. So you, like, you may have somebody who makes anywhere from fifteen to 20000 a month uh, for some lobbying. And he networks. turned it down. Yeah, he doesn't. He, wow. he, what he wants to do, he and Terry have moved to Austin. Uh, like I said, he loves tech. He knows the folks in the legislature. And, um, and he, he pro wants, bono. Yeah, even free. What's that? Thank you. Uh, but whenever he told you, no, I don't want to be paid, what would you think? Well, that's okay. I mean, it's great. He loves tech. <laughs> you know what? I'm looking at our budget. He loves tech. <laughs> and, and, and you love it. Hey, the wind blew like hell yesterday in Lubbock. You're from East Texas. Um, and I always say that uh, Ted Mitchell may be the best East Texas transplant since uh, Pat Mahomes. But... Uh, the wind is definitely a problem about every every 30 40 days in Lubbock. No and, kidding. Uh, but what what's the problem every place has its downside. East Texas what's the downside? One word. Humidity. Humidity. It? It'll wear you out. I can't tell you, you know. I'm, that's I, more than every 30 or 40 oh days. Oh my, that's every day. You know, the one of the things that's so incredible about West Texas is that it can be hot out here just like it's hot anywhere else in the summertime. But in the evening, the moment the sun goes down, it cools off. And in East Texas, it just doesn't do that. It just it stays hot. It stays warm. And uh, Whether you, you're in the shade or not. It doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, I, I typically would go jog in the mornings over in East Texas, and I'd run by a time and temperature. And in July and August, sometimes at 5 o'clock in the morning, it's still 91 degrees. It just wears you out. The mm-hmm. humidity is what gets you. No. Uh, so you you don't play athletics director on the radio or not at all. You're looking forward to some Texas Tech football, though. You better believe it. And I think that uh, if you look at Coach Wells, he has been he's not been in Lubbock a lot because he's been all over seeing recruits. He spent a lot of time really working this very very hard, and he's a wonderful guy. And uh, he came highly recommended from a lot of different people in a lot of different places that uh, spoke with uh, Kirby Hocutt 
and with Lawrence Skuvenek about him. Do you understand just how popular Coach Yost already is with the student body? And have you had conversations with Coach Yost about <laughs> not walking down Broadway on the weekends? Yeah. Well, I've only had one conversation with Coach Yost, and Coach Yost doesn't know who I am. But I didn't know who he was, and I walked into the room and asked him what he did. And he looked at me and he said, I'm, I'm one of the coaches. And I didn't know who the, I didn't know who he was. This is the day they were announcing Matt Wells, and I was thinking, my gosh, you know, coach of like the surfing team, and uh, yeah, his surfer's hair, yeah, yeah but yeah. but uh, and he, again, that's the only conversation I've had with Coach Yost. But but I've heard from other folks that one of the things about that haircut of his, whenever he goes out to scout, a lot of times when he calls a young young man and will say, hey, I was watching you uh, play, they'll say, oh, I didn't see. He goes, yeah, I was the guy down on the end with the the blonde long hair they all know him and so for him it has worked real well i'm very excited for the team including the coaches that coach wells is putting together better haircut yost or mitchell you kidding i love coach yost but i love my hair <laughs> hey we really appreciate you coming out oh it's and very enjoyable i appreciate you having us i know there are a lot of people who listen to this program to try to get just an entry level into what's going on in politics, and you do such a great job of laying it out there. Well, we appreciate you very much. Yeah. Uh, Going to get Ted Mitchell out of studio so that he can go watch his Red Raiders play uh, the, uh, you know, no, go, West, West so Virginia. So I can watch him whip West Virginia. Uh, whip. There you go. Uh, Going to get him out of here and get you into a quickie break. Get back in with more stories about the wind. What sort of hell it ravaged across the plains. Thank you, Ted Mitchell. Be right back with you here in just a few moments on the other side of Texas. How about the wind yesterday? You know, Dr. Mitchell talking about, well, you know, it's, uh, you know, the humidity's bad. It was like a hurricane on land without the rain. That's how rough it was. And um, I have this story here from Amarillo that residents shocked by 70 mile per hour winds how shocked do you have to be to live here in march march comes in like a lion and keeps on raving until uh june or july the wind was horrible today said amarillo resident michael bridges this is from abc7 in amarillo i had a rack on top and i thought man this thing's gonna blow off i took her his wife to lunch and felt like a roller coaster i felt like my tahoe was literally going to lift up bridges and his family tell abc news abc 7 news wednesday's winds were the strongest they have felt blast amarillo gusts exceeded 70 miles per hour and sustained winds of 40 miles per hour for dangerous driving conditions throughout the high plains on wednesday Several semi-trucks rolled over as they traveled down the highways. We have one of those at Other Side of Texas on Facebook. You want to go check it out. We've got the video there. It was crazy, said Rhett Archer. I know all the power lines were blown down in Amarillo and right outside my house on Tascosa Road. 
and those semis blowing over it's just crazy the strong winds uprooted trees and tossed them onto vehicles homes and into the street the winds also knocked over power lines and snapped power poles which left 121,000 customers without power according to xl energy as of 10 p.m on wednesday that number had been cut to 53,500 Excel spokesman Wes Reeves said they've called in an additional 25 crews, which is anywhere from 100 to 125 workers, to join the restoration effort Thursday morning. Businesses and homes also sustained major damage. The Tascosa drive-in screen, entranceway, and fences were broken into pieces. The neighborhood Extend A Suites hotel sign crashed down into the El Patron, not to be mistaken with Patron, El Patron, Tex-Mex restaurant, while patrons ate lunch, damaging the exterior and interior of the building. The business is closed until repairs can be made. It is unknown how long that could take. Here's what I do know. My wife and I, being the formidable West Texans that we are, decided, you know what, here's what the weather's going to do. There are red, red flag warnings in the middle of the week. Let's go to Riadosa. We woke up on Sunday morning and, excuse us, decided let's not go to church. Let's pack up. Let's get out of town, which we did, and headed west in the navigator and i always like matthew mcconaughey because we are able to have our navigator kind of roll my booger as we roll down the road like mcconaughey only i've got a bigger belly and not nearly as great a hair as mcconaughey roll down the road 84 380 towards riadosa get the kids out we play for two days and then wait for the weather to roll in and we drove back in the wind. Well, no, no, no. And that was, this is the expertise of it. This is why we're West Texas experts. We knew that the wind would start blowing on Wednesday. So we drove in on Tuesday evening, got home, everything unpacked. And then everything turned into Kansas, Dorothy, and the Wizard of Oz on Wednesday. We got home. Got the kids unloaded, had a day inside yesterday, had kid day today, brought in our friends, rode bikes. Uh, yes, I did anchor down. There's a tow rope, and I think I'm just going to leave it there for the rest of the spring, a tow rope around our basketball goal because we we have a concreted front yard, and that's not because we're green greeners there, green new dealers it's just because we've got a great stained concrete front yard and have a movable basketball goal have it roped down by tow rope and uh we leave it there and that's how we roll there the leasing's due in the spring and that's what i'm just i'm just going to leave the tow rope up and uh do it that way um there was another thing I was going to bring up there, but I forgot it. Great interview with Dr. Mitchell. Appreciate you, him coming in. Got all things Texas Tech Athletics. Doesn't stay up at night worrying about Chris Beard, where Chris Beard might go, and uh, enjoys 
Coach Yost Hare. Appreciate your feedback, Jay, at OtherSideOfTexas.com on uh, your thoughts on the program and uh, on this particular program. Going to catch a quickie break here and get back out. I tell you what's coming up the rest of the week and what you've got to come. Big announcement to come in a couple of months, not months, a couple of weeks here on the program. Going to get out, let you hear some good commercials, and be back here in about 120 seconds. Talk to you here in a minute on the other side of the Welcome back to The Other Side with Jay Leeson. Hey, uh, listen, coming up, uh, we've got some end-of-the-week recap. We've played uh, best of in the first part of this week. That's why we've not had uh, many um, many shows this week. We played the best of because me and Mrs. Leeson took the kids to New Mexico Monday, Tuesday, and now uh, and Wednesday, and then Dr. Mitchell, so gracious to join us today on the program so you won't be able to find those podcasts you'll find today's podcast up when daniel the digital millennial guru uh brings it up uh online and then get into some better o'rourke and just a couple of initial things here listen i want to say this very plainly i've not voted for beto o'rourke he does not send a thrill up my inner thigh but it does it does excite me a little bit how much the left and the right disdain this guy that you know slate.com the texas observer that he can't find his bearings he doesn't know what he thinks on the right his name's uh beto o'rourke or robert o'rourke uh taking slams at, listen i follow a guy in the biblical text that was slammed from both sides and i'm not in any way calling myself better o'rourke or any other living person a savior but i will say this it's hard not to root for the guy in the middle and better o'rourke holds some positions that me and my friend brandon darby think are are problematic to say the least on the border but whenever you follow a guy in the the coast, the east and the west coast don't know what to do with them, and uh, they call them not liberal enough, and then Texas calls them too liberal, and you get into all these nuances, you begin to wonder maybe maybe there's some potency behind this, and uh, especially in a in a Trump era where if he's able to delineate and people can trust if the polls come back and say i trust what better or i may not believe in what he says but i think i believe him more than the other guy that's a problem for the guy that's in the white house and i say that as a two-time trump voter 
we'll just see what comes to play. And uh, not actively rooting for Beto O'Rourke, but in this context in which everybody throws on their labels and then throws on their scarlet letters and everything else, I'm uh, I'm a little bit intrigued with Beto O'Rourke out in that field right now and what he might be able to accomplish. And, uh, you know, I said for people come on the show, no, he's not running. And of course, he was always going to run. And so here he is, and we'll get into that more tomorrow on the program. For now, I want to thank Ted Mitchell, Dr. Ted Mitchell, Texas Tech University, coming on to the program. Interesting very interesting uh, dynamic that Texas Tech has playing within the legislature. See if they can get that vet school done. For now, gonna get home, gotta get home. Texas Tech tipping off here in about seven and a half minutes. So I've got to run home really fast uh, from the Big 12 tournament. Uh, appreciate all you listening. Rave on, buddies. Rave on. We'll see you next time right here on the other side of Texas. It's who we want.